Yes. I have a chance to talk with Pat Trainer O'Malley. And uh, Pat, good morning to you. Thanks for joining me today. Good morning, Wynn. Good morning, <laughs> Haverhill. <laughs> That's right. Now, uh, for those who uh, who uh, know Pat, uh, they've known you for the one who the people who have known you have known you for a while, haven't they? I was born and raised in Haverhill. I should say Bradford. We're rather proud of our Bradford. Went to school there. Went to college at Merrimack College. Uh, so, family was there for three generations. Oh, okay. All right. And uh, and you wrote a, a couple of books, but before we get into uh, into that, I want to uh, get your I want to get your feedback on uh, the WHAV building on Howe Street. I guess you were an early visitor. <laughs> I remember it going. In fact, I remember uh, I remember all the excitement about the new radio station going up. Uh, and in the early years, there were a number of. Uh, what should we call it, local shows. And the people would come on to do uh, amateur contests, things of that sort. So my piano teacher had me on there two or three times to uh, to perform. I actually earned a, a grand total of three silver dollars one time for coming in second or third or something. Wonderful. It was a big deal in those days. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I, w- I was, uh, I, there were, they used to have a number of things. I remember going in there to do a program when I was a Girl Scout, whatever. So I, I can remember, I can see it very clearly in my mind's eye, at least the upper, the upper level. Well, it's uh, it hasn't changed. <laughs> so I gather. Yeah. I never did get to see the, the lower levels where you are now. Well, that's okay. Uh, maybe you can do that uh, if, if you have a chance to uh, to come by and visit again. We can uh-huh. bring you down here. But uh, where you were, uh, that is... Uh, you know that's that's the famous place. That's where uh, Tom Bergeron uh, got his start up in that area. I remember <laughs> that kid, that kid Tom Bergeron. That's right. And now there was a couple of others that uh, Tim Coco has told me about. Uh-huh. Uh, Gary Lapierre, he started here. Ah, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Bob Clinkscale, who was at Channel Five, he started uh-huh. here, but he had a uh-huh. different name back then. Oh. <laughs> But you've had the same name all this time, haven't you? I have. Pat Trainer, and when I got married to Jim O'Malley, I added that to my name. Aha. Uh-huh. Why don't you tell us about, uh, and you know, with, uh, with the uh, Rick Berry uh, Exchange Club uh, Irish Breakfast, St. Patrick's Day Breakfast, coming up next week. Uh, I wanted to get you in here to talk about your book, because uh, it deals with the Irish. It certainly does. Um this is the latest of my books. I have ten books altogether. I was a professor at Bradford College, so writing was second nature to me. Uh, this is a wonderful book. It's entitled So Far From Home, Letters from Ireland to Family in America, and that's exactly what it is. It's um, over 200 letters that were sent to my grandparents in the 1880s, 1890s, when they had first immigrated each of them had saved his or her letters, unbeknownst to the other, um, set them aside somehow. They got lost over the years. Evidently, the uh, the daughter who stayed at home knew where they were because they were put away safely. I found them uh, in the 1990s uh, just by accident. 
And my God, it's wonderful. These old, old letters, uh, difficult handwriting, um, but wonderful stories because they were written by very ordinary people. Poor farmers, uh, fishermen cousins, young, young women writing to their, their cousin over in America, uh, filled with, uh, well, sadness because, you know, a lot of, uh, we'll never see you again kinds of comments are, well, things are very tough. Can you send us some money kinds of comments? But there were also the comments from the sister in Ireland talking about the, the, the people gathering, the young people gathering around the house on a Sunday so they could dance out on the grass or, or sing or, or play ball or, or whatever. There's, they seem, always seem to be some way of making fun for themselves in spite of the lack of whatever. So, well, that was uh, at a time that you know that you had to make your own fun, and and they certainly did. So, yeah, and and in those days, the Irish Irish Catholics could not own land, so you were dependent upon a landlord to whom you had to pay rent regularly, and if you didn't pay that rent, you lost that little bit of ground. Uh, always a problem. I didn't I was not aware of that. Can you tell yeah, me more? All, all throughout the nineteenth century. Irish Catholics could not own property. It wasn't until the beginning of the century, the 20th century, that they could start to own it, put their own name on it. Even though the land might have been in their family for a thousand years, <laughs> uh, well, that's, that's one of the problems when another, when another country takes you over for a while. Okay, all right. Well, tell me about uh, some of these letters. Tell me a little bit more. What did they say about Haverhill at all? Did they mention it in the letters? Uh, in terms of descriptions, no, but you get a sense of what the life must have been like as they talk about how they are meeting with each other, meeting with their friends, things that are going on, um, the uh, what's going on at the church. Uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other things. My grandfather worked on the railroad. Boston Maine Railroad, so I get to hear something in the letters about what life is like, and I know at some point he must have worked on the construction of a, a dam up at Round Pond, because there was a an ancient picture of him wielding a sledgehammer at the at the pond as a very young man. So, And I know that there had been a famous hotel in Ward Hill that had, it had collapsed in a hurricane once. It was a, a matter of many great stories, but he had kept a souvenir of uh, something from that because he had he had helped to construct it. He would have been like a lot of immigrants. He'd walk all the way from Bradford all the way out to Ward Hill to work on the construction. You you did you did job after job until you could settle into one one kind of secure job. Interestingly enough. Uh, None of them went into the shoe shops except for one niece. The first of his nieces to come over with him had somehow learned sewing in Ireland. And when she came to Haverhill, she became a stitcher in the shoe shops. So she fit right into the traditional occupation there. Oh. 
Well, that's how uh, that's how families uh, split off and and uh, you know gain additional experience and that's right. things like that's that. Right. How about that? The most important thing would have been the girls who went into domestic service. That's what the majority of them did. Like my grandmother, you went to work in someone's home, and by God, you learned things you never would have learned back in your little two your old cottage in Ireland. You know how to set a table, how to make a bed how to uh, cook a meal over a stove rather than over a fireplace, and just how to dress like a middle-class person would dress, uh, the behavior, manners, etiquette, all that kind of thing. Uh, at five or six years of working as a domestic servant, a young girl from Ireland could pass herself off as a, almost as an educated American. <laughs> Wow. And and marry decently and you know settle in. So it was it was a great training in many, many ways. So your book and, is so oh go ahead. Go ahead, no, I'm just saying and, and you just I always thought that was a tough life. I always said, God, I could never do it. But then you then I you start to read the letters and letter after letter from different different young friends. Oh, I don't like this place. That they're too hot, I'm going to look for another job. It's just like that. They say, oh, that's it. Go find another place. And there are always plenty of places back then who were looking for someone to help out in the house. So things I never would have, I never would have realized just from reading ordinary history books when. And uh, so it's all um, it's sort of laid out in your book, So Far From Home. That's and, right. And where can they uh, get this book? Uh, I think any bookstore would be able to order it, otherwise through Amazon. All right. So far from home. And and do you have another Pat O'Malley or Pat Trainer O'Malley? Uh, Pat Trainer O'Malley, the, 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 uh, if you're talking St. Patrick's Day, I do have to re- refer to my two books on the Irish in Haverhill, two photo histories that I did in the 18, I forgot to say it again, the 1890s, the 1990s. Uh, those were wonderful. I just the story had to be told through photographs because that's the format of this particular publisher, and I was dependent upon whatever would show up between what was in the library and what people could provide for me. And it was so much stuff that I ended up having to do two books and could have done the third without any effort whatsoever, except that I felt it was time to do a few other ethnic groups. So. But the format worked, and I was able to turn out a book on the Italians in April and another book on uh, there was a, um, a number of ethnic groups all in one volume. So Haverhill has been well represented, photographically anyway, in the histories. And it's all Acadia Publishing, right? Arcadia Publications. Arcadia. Okay. All right. Yeah, I remember uh, talking with somebody once about that. Uh, they had the pictures. You had to have the picture, and you could not have a description of more than 160 words. That's right. It's very. You have to be very controlled, and you have to know. You have to be able to tell your story with just those two things. So, it took a little bit of work, but I caught on to the the technique fairly quickly, and I was able to. I ended up doing a uh, four, five, six. Seven books for them. Oh, okay. All, all, right. all in Haverhill. 
Oh, terrific. So uh, yeah. I'm sure that they're uh, still available over there. And the nice thing about historic photographs is they don't change. That's correct. And it makes people look at their own photographs in a different manner and think, oh, I wish I'd known more about these people. <laughs> I kind of get that with uh, Tim Coco over here at the uh, WHAV uh, building. He'll he'll say, and over there was this and this, and over there. <laughs> that's right. That's right. He remembers it all. <laughs> yeah, the city has changed so much in the last 50 years that it's, it's hard to remind somebody, uh, you know, well, that was, this is what it looked like when you walked downtown, when you walked down Merrimack Street, it's a great game to play when old friends get together. Oh, yeah. And, and what is it they say about history? If you don't know it, you're bound to repeat it or something? You're bound like? to repeat it because, you know, you, particularly if you don't pay attention to the mistakes you've made, you're going to do it all over again. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, Pat, it's been fun to talk to you. Is there anything else you'd like to uh, to talk about today? Uh, I just uh, crossing my fingers that my Red Sox do something this, this year. Uh, I, I was, as I said, I, I down now that I'm in Florida in the winter, and now that I can't see very well anymore, I'm not able to keep up on what's happening. So I don't. Last I heard, all that was left was uh, Devers at third base, and I don't know who else. Everyone else seems to have gone. So um, I wait to see how they remake the team. Well, yeah, you have Devers there. You have Verdugo in the outfield. Oh, that's right. That's right. And uh, Kiki Hernandez is uh, going to play uh, shortstop in place of Bogarts, who's... Uh, really? Yeah, yeah. And uh, who's at second? I think, well, Trevor Story, he's out with an injury. Uh, oh, so I think Bronson, uh, not Bronson, but uh, Arroyo, Christian Arroyo, yeah. he's going to do we'll second. second base, but, yeah. And this uh, new kid, uh, rookie, Casa, he's the first base. What's the name? Uh, Tristan Casa, C A S A S. Oh yes, he came up last year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And uh, who do we have catching? Uh, catching, uh, you have uh, Yogi Berra. He's going to catch this year. Who? <laughs> uh, they have a. <laughs> I'm I'm old I'm old, but don't try to pull that one on me. <laughs> uh, actually, I, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but I know Vasquez is gone. Yeah, he's uh, at Minnesota right now. So yeah, yeah. who do we have for pitchers? Uh, Chris Sale's who's come back. Chris Sale's going to come back. He, okay, he's good. thrown and his arm hasn't fallen off. And uh, not to do anything to himself. Yeah, don't ride any more bicycles. Yeah. Um, and um, oh, yeah. I, I'm 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 drawing blanks right now. Yeah. I, think, but, I don't know. I don't know who's there. But uh, they say they aren't as bad as, <laughs> as people are thinking. <laughs> okay, well, knock on wood. And uh, if you don't have access to uh, to the radio side of things, actually, you can listen on on your uh, computer uh, for the uh, for the radio play by play. But a lot of people listen; uh, they watch TV, but they they don't really watch it; they listen to it. So yeah, uh, so you could do that too. All right. <laughs> That's what I need. All right. Hey, Build my spirits up. Uh, they're going to be great. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Pat, it's been nice talking to you. And, and Thank you so much, Ben. Uh, okay. Goodbye to everybody. All right. Well, don't say it that way. <laughs> All right.
so long. <laughs> so until next time, Pat Trainer O'Malley from uh, from Haverhill Bradford College. Uh, she's taught over there for many years. Has the book So Far From Home: uh, Letters from Irish uh, Folks uh, from Ireland to Haverhill. Uh, our guest this morning, right here on the Wave ninety-seven nine WHAV. Wake up with Wynn Damon weekdays from 6 to 9 a.m. on 97.9 FM WHAV. That's the wave. W-H-A-V.